Good morning. Welcome this morning. Welcome if you are new here this morning. Glad you could be here with us. Let's start with a uh, word of prayer this morning. Join me. Lord, we just to give you thanks once again for another week that we could come together. Just ask your blessing on our service. It's, we're here because of you and what you've done. And we just look forward to uh, worshiping you and ministering to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So with Thanksgiving coming up, there's a song that was popped in my head, running through my head, so I'm going to play it, and then we'll go from there. So, Dave, if you could go ahead and play that song. I mean, it's like, I love that where it says, it's that phrase, you've given me a thank, or I have a thankful heart because you've given it to me. So that, like I, I'm going to kind of struggle, I'm getting just kind of excited that, uh, it kind of just, just shows a picture, I guess, of a, of a circle that can happen in the, in the Christian walk. And I'm kind of talking more specifically in the, the body of Christ. How there's this, you know, there can be vicious circles and there can be beautiful circles. This is in the beautiful circle category. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it gives, I think, another picture of what I'm talking about. So we'll read that and then kind of go from there. Uh, it talks... And, and he's talking, Paul's talking to believers who are willing and wanting to give to the work of the church and ministry. It says, the point is this, this, I'm starting in verse 6 of chapter 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So I just that there is just like another beautiful picture of it's a circle. God gives us the, the He gives it to us and we get to give it, and then it just starts going and repeating and repeating and repeating. So Oftentimes, I think when we think of Thanksgiving, it's always just about the being thankful part, and and, it, and I think it kind of tend to kind of start listening a, a, a works based thing of yeah, I need to I need to be thankful. I got so many things to be thankful. I got to be thankful. But uh, I guess kind of you can take a step back and also for there to be thank something thankful for there also be someone giving, and ultimately that source comes from is God. God's the giver. So we focus on that instead of focusing on what we're supposed to be doing about it. And what happens is we are thankful. And then we express that. And because we're thankful, we're generous. We're generous to others, which then spurs them to be thankful. And it repeats and it repeats and repeats. So that's just my challenge is to focus on that this, this season that, I guess, that circle, you might, you might be at a time generous. And other times you need to have the, the, I guess, maybe humility to accept that generosity or whatever with someone else. Receive it. Give it. Circle, 
We get to live. This is a, there's a picture, like I said, the inexpressible gift. What I'm getting from that is the inexpressible gift is a different kind of life. A life in the body that's different than the world, marked by generosity and love that we get to experience because of what Jesus did. And it's, that's, that's the source. So that's what I have this morning. And uh, look forward to the worship time. And I'd like to invite them at this time. Lord, just thank you so much once again. We just look forward to worship you in song. May we just be free and alive this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, how great you are. And Lord, as we're gathered here together, that is what we want to declare, is that, that you are great. And our promise is in you and our hope is in you. You are our strength and our source of joy. We just declare you as God today. And everyone said together, amen. Lord, thank you so much for Jason. Really appreciate him being able to just um, kind of be our shepherd here and our leader and just our pastor. And Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit fill him, guide his words that they just be filled with life and um, fill him, Lord. And so we just thank you, bless him, and um, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's good to be here again this morning. The sun is shining. It's a little bit windy outside, but the sun is shining. We are coming up on Thanksgiving, and I'm sure you all have plans, and I just have to share something a little on the lighter side before we get started. I've probably shared this with some of you before, but I'm sure that as you're planning for, maybe you're having people to your house and you're cleaning, it was mentioned something earlier about, uh, this is something that I saw somewhere, but Man was made from dust, and man returns to dust. And so that's the reason that I don't dust, because it might be somebody that I know. I don't think that's a good reason not to, but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Thanksgiving week. Uh, I'm always uh, studying and reading and trying to figure out, Lord, where do we go? Do we keep going in Acts? Do we do something different? And we're still in Acts. We're going to keep going in Acts, but I also want to be sensitive to know if there's something different as we are coming up, you know, Thanksgiving, and then we're coming up on Christmas soon after that. But this morning, we're going back into Acts, and we've got a pretty good chunk of Acts chapter 13 that we're going to try to get through today. It's interesting to me how it keeps repeating a lot of things over and over and over and over, and as I read it, and I'm like, well, I just... I thought we just read that, and you look back a few chapters, and it says kind of the same thing, but there's a reason for that, because sometimes we're a little hard-headed, and things don't always sink in the first, or the second, or the third, or the fourth. How, long, how many times do I keep going, Ed? How long does it take? Acts chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 13, and we're going to try to get to verse 41. Acts 13, verse 13. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, They came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and, motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses. 
to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things for which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though though one were to declare it to you. Father, again, thank you for your word. I just pray that you would open our eyes to see. Lord, give me wisdom, and I just pray that you would speak through me this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So we have just finished um, Paul preaching in Cyprus, and last week we talked about them meeting a a sorcerer or a false prophet. And, uh, you know, a question that I always have in talking about false prophets is how are we going to recognize them? How are we going to recognize when it's not the truth? When it sounds like the truth, it maybe feels a little bit like the truth, but it really isn't. And I, I just had a, an illustration that I was reminded of this week of how we're going to know. So very, very simple. We have an apple orchard, and we have a lot of gophers in our orchard. And we have, I don't know if you ever used a gopher trap, but there's a, is a McCabe or Maccabee, however you say that. And it's, a, it's a, a wire metal frame that you squeeze, and it's got two little ears. And when the gopher hits it, those things clamp onto it, and the gopher doesn't live. Very effective. There's something satisfying about catching those. Anyways, we've been using those for years. Isn't that right, Glenn? There is. I agree. We've been using those for a lot of years. I've tried different styles, and... Uh, Dad, this last summer, bought some new ones because, you know, they get old or they get hit by the mower or whatever happens, or the dog takes them. And uh, he got some new ones, and I didn't even look at what brand they were. I just picked one up. And the second that I picked it up, I knew it wasn't the same thing. And then I looked at what kind it was. It was a different brand. And they made it lighter weight, flimsier, and I personally think that the gophers can get out of them sometimes. But it was interesting to me that after, after having worked with this other kind for a lot of years, I didn't even have to look at it. All as I did was picked it up, and I knew immediately that it was different. And this is the way <clears throat> that we want it to be when we hear something that we think sounds like it's the truth, and we maybe think it looks like the truth, but when we feel it, and we pick it up, we look at it, we know that it's not. Because we can always, we always think that false prophets are going to come and it's going to be like, well, that's going to be pretty obvious because, you know, we know what we believe and it's just going to be so against. And I am more and more coming to believe that that is not true. It is going to be very subtle. It's going to be very sly. There's going to be a lot of things that sound very similar to what we believe. And so my encouragement as we get started this morning is stay in the word of God. I enjoy reading. I read a lot of other books. Well, I can't say that a lot lately, but I do like to read other books. But don't replace the Bible with other books. You need to stay in the truth so that when something doesn't quite feel right, you know it. And that's how you're going to know it. So as we're moving on, they have Paul, or now his name, or excuse me, Saul, now his name is Paul. And he confronted this sorcerer. We talked about that last week. So now uh, Paul and his party are leaving. They're going to another place. And and if you look, sometimes in your Bible, it's got a little map of the journey, and it's kind of interesting to follow where they went. So they're going from the island of Cyprus, and now they're moving on back into the mainland. And John, it does say, departed from them. It doesn't really say why. As we get into Acts a little farther, Paul has some thoughts of maybe why he would have left from them at that time. But they traveled to Antioch, it says, in Pisidia. Now, the reason that it defined a specific Antioch is because there were a lot of cities named Antioch. So when they said Antioch of Pisidia, they knew exactly where he was going and where he was at. And so just, it's just interesting, the different things. 
But the other thing that keeps coming up is that when they get to a new city or a new town, they go straight to the synagogue. They go right to the synagogue. And this time they went to the synagogue and they sat and they listened to the reading of the scriptures. And after the reading of the scriptures, they were asked, as men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So, of course, Paul, being who Paul is, recognizes this is his opportunity to share. So he stands up and he starts sharing. And this is where we get into where I feel like we keep repeating over and over and over and over. But you know what? We need to hear it over and over and over again. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. You are a holy people to the Lord. This is God's promise to the, to, to the people of Israel, which he also can extend to us today. Paul is reminding the people here as he starts going through and he starts telling them how they were brought out from Egypt and how the Lord had delivered them and how he put up with their wandering around in the desert for 40 years because they couldn't make up their mind what they wanted to do. And we look at that, I look at that for 40 years and I'm like, good grief, that's my whole life so far. But then there's also things that I look at and I'm like, well, but how many times have I been going around this bush and trying to figure out what I'm doing? And so we can point fingers, it's really easy to point fingers and say, what was their problem Uh, But the problem is then we look at our own life and we realize there are still things in our lives that we're dealing with that seems like maybe we should have moved on by now. So Paul's reminding the people of their history. He's reminding them that God has always taken care of them. He's always provided for them. He's always been fighting for them. He's always been leading them. He led them out of Egypt, out of slavery there. He, uh, He was still with them even during the time that they're wandering around in the desert He went ahead of them into the promised land and he wiped out seven nations for them. And then he handed out the land to each tribe. You know, sometimes we, sometimes I think it's good to reflect on what's happened in the past. I don't want to live in the past, but I think it's good to reflect on what happened in the past. Because we can see the goodness of God in our lives. We can see what he's been doing. And this, I believe, is what Paul is trying to remind them. Look, this is what God has done. He's also trying to set up to go to recent history for these people about Jesus. This is what Paul is setting up for. The prophets, the Old Testament, all the scriptures that you've been reading all of this time, they've been telling about somebody, they've been prophesying, they've been foretelling about somebody that's to come. And we're going to get into that. But Paul is telling their history, trying to show that Jesus is the one who came and fulfilled all of those promises that he's talking about. He talks about David. And when he had removed Saul as king, this was in the Old Testament, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. And here's where we make the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because he's talking about the history which they would have been reading every single Sunday, every Sabbath that they met. They were reading the history of what had happened to them as a nation. And now he's pointing to David, who through David, God's going to bring a Savior. And his name is Jesus. It's interesting, too, that he even came, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, the angel came and told Mary about who Jesus was going to be. Uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 32, and it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, 
and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is what the angel is telling Mary about Jesus, about Jesus' coming. So the reason, why would we want to reflect on our past? Why would we want to look back and say, see, you know, some of the things we don't want to remember about our past. There's some things that we do want to remember, and we keep trying to relive it, and I don't think that's very healthy either. The reason that I think we want to look at our past a little bit is to see what God has done for us. Because you have to look very far to see how much God has blessed us. You don't have to look very far to see that God has taken care of us. He's provided for us. He's allowed us a lot of freedoms. I want to read Philippians chapter 3, a couple verses. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that we're forgetting. He says forgetting here, but we're forgetting Maybe some of the struggles that we work through. What we want to look back in our past, we don't want to keep looking back and, and kicking ourselves and, and making our feeling sorry for ourselves that we had to go through these situations. What we want to do is we want to look back and we want to look at what God has done. And if we're looking back for the goodness of God, then I think we're okay. But otherwise, we need to keep pushing forward. Even if we're reflecting on what God has done for us, we still need to keep pushing forward. Because we're always moving forward. We're always going forward. We're not living in the past. We're not trying to have our back to the future. Hey, that's where that came from, maybe, back to the future. But we want to be facing forward. We want to keep our eyes on Christ. So we go from Old Testament history in, in, in Acts chapter 13, and now we're moving into New Testament, which this history would not have been so far removed from where they're at right now. Talk about John coming. John asking people, who do you think I am? And he says, but I'm not the one that you're waiting for. I'm only here to prepare the way. I'm only here to set it up, set the stage for the Messiah that's coming. And there's another one coming. I like how he says it. And he says, there's another one coming that I'm not even worthy to loose the sandals on his feet. John understood what his role was. It would have been easy for John to see because people were flocking to John when he was preaching in the desert. They were flocking to him. He was baptizing a lot of people. It could have been really easy for that to go to his head. But he understood what his purpose was. He understood it wasn't about him. And as we live our life and we talk to different people and we meet with different people, can we remember it's not about me? There's one that's coming again. There's someone that's coming again. There's a Messiah. There's a Savior that's coming again that I'm not even worthy to loose the sandals on his feet. John understood his position. Paul is trying to share this with them. Here was John. He was not the one you're looking for. So the Old Testament, he says, Jesus is coming for you. The New Testament says, Jesus came for you, but you didn't recognize him. You did not recognize him. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 53 through 58. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. 
Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I don't know if you've seen The Chosen, but they did a pretty good job of, of uh, portraying what was happening here. Jesus came back to his hometown, and he went to the synagogue for the reading, and they asked him if he would like to say something. And so he starts sharing, but what he starts sharing is actually about him, because that's what Scripture's talking about was him. And they didn't like that at all. Not at all. In fact, they wanted to take him out and stone him. They, were ready. They, took, they did take him out, planning to stone him, but it wasn't his time. And that's what he said. It's not my time. We're not doing this right now. And he walked right back through them. But, it wa- but he wasn't recognized in his own hometown. And so you go back to Acts, and this is what Paul is again trying to remind them. He came. Jesus came. The Messiah that you've been reading about for years and years and years and years, he came. And you didn't even recognize who he was. You didn't even know who he was. You missed what happened. First Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 6 through 9. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of for, before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. None of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's really interesting to me how God takes these things and he, he works them in a way that seems odd to us, but we can see the end result of what happened. And it's, uh, it's also interesting that the, because of the suffering, the sacrifice of Christ, only because of the sacrifice of Christ have we been accepted. Our acceptance was completely based on the rejection of Christ. But he was willing to come. And this is, again, what Paul is trying to say. He came, you missed him, you crucified him, you killed him, you didn't recognize who he was. And again, it's easy for us to point fingers and say, how could you possibly have missed this? But I might have too. I don't know if I would have been any better. I, I doubt it. Even though you have heard Scripture read every Sabbath, you still didn't recognize him. Even though we come here every week and we try to encourage one another and we try to, I, I like to read scripture and I do read a lot of scripture. But, but that's where the truth is. And what I want to do, what my goal in my heart is to, is to read scripture and point you to the truth. You have a Bible. You can read it. Read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what's going on there. Do you think that I <clears throat> just read it and stand up here and share? I do spend some time preparing, but the same way that I do, you can do the same thing. You know, maybe don't get to come up here and share it. We could make it happen if you wanted to. But you have the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same one that's working in each one of us. And he reveals things to us and he brings, and I'm excited when I read a chapter and I'm like, man, it sure seems like we're just repeating the same thing over and over. But then the Holy Spirit takes it and he uses it, and he blesses it. Always amazes me. Have we accepted? So we come here every week, and we listen to the word. We sing about Jesus. We sing about his love, about his glory. We sing about how great he is. Which is, by the way, the same thing they were doing in, the old, in, in this time. They were reading about God. They knew who he was they believed in him. They worshiped him. Have you accepted who Christ is for you? Because it really, that's really what it boils down to. And Paul has the opportunity to talk to a lot of influential people, to a lot of religious leaders of this day, where he's at. But for us, coming right back down to where we are right now, we get to hear it. You can turn on your radio every day of the week and you can hear more about the Word of God. You can hear more about the love of God. You can listen to worship music. 
any day of the week. But have we accepted who Christ is? Have I accepted who Christ is for me? Have you accepted who Christ is for you? Because ultimately, this is what Paul is trying to get at right here. Have you accepted? He knew that they hadn't because they'd missed him. But where are we? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We no longer have to go through another. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through anybody else. We can go straight to the Father because of what Jesus came and what he did. And he made that possible for each one of us individually. You don't have to come and talk to me. You go straight to the Father. Incredible, incredible gift that we have been given. So as we start finishing up here, I've got a couple more verses that I'm going to read. He was seen after he was raised. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. These are his witnesses to share with people that didn't see him. They came, they were here to share, and a lot of that has been written down, and that's where a lot of our scripture comes from. People that have came and have, that saw him, and they have shared what they had seen. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, and that he raised up Jesus. So as we move... Um, where are we at? Okay, chapter or verse 37. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. It's only through Christ. This person that came and that you crucified and that gave us our acceptance because of his rejection, this very person, this is who is preached for the forgiveness of sins. And it's only because of him that we can have our sins forgiven because he has paid the price for every one of our sins. I want to read Jeremiah. It's really interesting reading in some Old Testament that talks about Christ and what he's going to do. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34 Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with them, the house of Israel, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. You see, we don't have to go to somebody else. We don't have to go through somebody else to talk to God. It says that they will know me, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Everybody has the opportunity to know who Christ is. And then if we go clear back over to 1 John. First John chapter 2, 7 through 14. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. 
I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I'm so grateful that he had a plan for us. He had us in mind, even today. Even though the people that we're talking about in Acts, the people that Paul is addressing, even though they missed him, they didn't recognize him. And maybe part of it was they didn't want their mm, job description to change because they were pretty secure in what they were doing, or so they thought. Or so they thought. And how many times does myself get in the way? You see what's happening there. I can understand why they were so... uh, uh, not they didn't want to accept who Christ was because they had a job and things had been going well for them and they were they were uh, well known and they were I don't know if they were liked or not probably but if Jesus came and Jesus was indeed who he said he was that all changed because all of a sudden nobody needed them anymore and the feeling of uh, of of not being needed could have been there I don't know but they liked the position they had. And I want to be very careful in my life and for you in our lives that we don't aren't so um, comfortable or feel so safe in the position that we have that we aren't willing to allow God to work in our lives, if that makes sense. I think this is where what was happening. The people that Paul was talking about, they were so comfortable, they were so satisfied, and they were so secure. They had a secure feeling of the position that they were in that they didn't want to admit. They didn't want to acknowledge that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. He was indeed the one they had been reading about, teaching about, telling people about every Sabbath day for their entire life. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. All of the things that the law of Moses tried to uphold, which is what was happening here in Acts, they were trying still to uphold the law of Moses, which they needed to until Christ came, or they needed to try to. But when Christ came, that fulfilled all of the law of Moses, and it wasn't needed anymore. It gave us access straight to the Father. Revelation chapter 12. Verses 10 through 12. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the, sea, and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. And if that's not the day we're living in right now, I don't know what it is. Because the enemy realizes his time is short. But we have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of our testimony. So as we go from here today, I want to encourage you, keep sharing your testimony with people. But don't ever think that it's anything that you did. Because it's only because of the power of the blood of Christ that we can do, we can live and have our being. If you want to stand with me, we're going to just, we could just lead it a cappella is fine. The, the first verse and the chorus of Um, how great thou art. We're going to sing that. Father, thank you so much for your love this morning. I thank you for the encouragement that you give us. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. Help us to not get distracted by the things of this world. But I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work through us. Pray that you would use us and allow us to recognize our need for you. And recognize that only because of your rejection that we have been accepted. Thank you, Father, for your love. Guide each one as we go from here today.